Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Hey Look Listen podcast. Uh, it's just me today. Uh, it's just it's just John, just Jonathan. Um, yeah, the the three guys couldn't make it, uh, unfortunately. Um, I'm sure you heard about that the terrible submarine tragedy. Uh, you know, a couple months back, where you know it imploded basically uh, deep deep in the ocean. I think it was on its way to to view the Titanic. Yeah, the three guys were on it. So, yeah, real bummer. Um, but yeah, moving on. Um, you know, what am I playing? Let's, let's kind of start with that. Um, let's kind of keep that tradition going. Um, so what I'm actually playing right now is kind of what's inspired this solo podcast today. And you've probably already seen the title. Uh, the title being Bethesda. Unless I make a new title to kind of fool you uh, for some reason. But I probably won't do that. Um, but I'm playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3. And if you're into gaming and you read a lot about gaming and you've been kind of, you know, keeping close to the news, I'm sure you've seen the incredible reviews it's gotten, the hype, everyone's saying it's, you know, changed the level of what a video game can be. It's made it 10 times harder for future developers to, to make great games. Um, and I'm about 10 hours into it and it's all kind of true. Um, it really is a, an incredibly impressive um, uh, storytelling um experience um it's very very dialogue heavy um you know but it's just such a level of polish and the voice acting and the motion capture and the graphics and everything just kind of comes together in just this incredible presentation um and if you're not aware of kind of what Baldur's Gate is um well Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 are games that are over you know 25 30 years old um, based around the board game Dungeons and Dragon, uh, Dragons, excuse me, which I think our, our friend Kev, RIP, was obviously a huge, uh, huge fan of. Um, it has this kind of huge, epic kind of, you know, uh, fantasy story where as you move along the game, you're kind of gaining all these companions. Each of these companions has like some of the deepest lore and deepest backgrounds I've ever seen. Um, it's very much one of those games where you know, even within the first couple of hours, you just have so many missions, so many side quests, so much to do. It's a little bit overwhelming, um, but I think what they do in a pretty good way is nothing needs to be done right away. You know, there's always stuff you can go back to later. It doesn't put pressure on you. Um, and it is a game that's, that is quite slow paced, uh, which is really quite nice. Um, I haven't played anything like that in quite a while, um, where you can just really kind of take it at your own pace. Even the combat, which is this kind of mixture of kind of turn-based and kind of tactical um you know uh, role-playing combat um it's done incredibly well um it's very similar to you know if you've played any of the divinity games absolutely love them also by uh, the wonderful folks at larian who made this um but i think the, the the great thing about it is it also kind of incorporates this brilliant kind of rolling the the dice as well um huge part of obviously dungeons and dragons but even here you know in combat you'll see it um but you'll see it also in kind of how you go through discussions so for example I, i've created a character who obviously looks like me but just a much much better looking example if you can even imagine that um but let's say for example he's high in charisma and persuasion so when there's a pot you know a chance for you to kind of persuade someone or kind of use your charisma to avoid a battle or a fight or something in a discussion you'll roll the dice 
and hopefully if you can kind of you know beat the number it set out which might be enough you know, i think it's between one and 20 um uh, you know your your persuasion uh you know attempt will, will will work and it'll hopefully um kind of you know persuade that character to do whatever you want them to do so you can avoid combat quite a lot um and there's an endless amount of things like that of skills abilities um you know traits for each of your characters uh it's crazy it's just there's a level of depth to it that is really kind of amazing um and even about probably 10 hours into it i think it has improved upon the formula that larian worked on with the divinity games in almost every single way um you know what was great about divinity was this kind of feeling of it, of it being a huge open world that you can kind of go through meeting a crazy cast of characters but but divinity always felt like it was made by a game that didn't have the resources to really make what they wanted to make if that makes sense um you know a lot of the, the towns and cities you were in, in in divinity maybe were not as you know widely populated as you know what we'd expect from modern games you couldn't talk to every npc that kind of thing Potter's gate is just the exact opposite it's just it just feels like such a living and, and breathable world um so i'm playing the absolute poop out of that and enjoying it immensely um playing it on ps5 and you know, I was a bit worried there um, with the controls. Again, going back to Divinity, you know, Larian did an amazing job there, but kind of mapping, you know, what is basically a point-and-click video game, um, you know, a CPRG at two consoles. Um, they've done a really good job again with Baldur's Gate, I have to say. Like moving, you know, th through the kind of the the map and and the world is very easy. You, you kind of have you know a selection of about four different cameras that you can control with the right analog, which is really really clever. Um, so you can kind of have really a third person view if you want, um, which feels really natural and feels like a really fun way to kind of explore. Um, the only times it doesn't work great is the inventory. So <laughs> Baldur's Gate uh similar to lots of games i guess like this right um where you know a huge part of what you're doing is you know looting and collecting items um it has one of the worst inventory management systems i've ever seen uh you know i think even on pc it's probably not great either um map that to a, a ps5 controller and it's just a, such a headache um it's a game where you end up picking up the most random of shit you know i think when i, when I went in to check it today i had like four or five pots um, you know, eight mugs, and I, I guess that's on me. You know, just picking up stuff all the time to try and sell it. Um, but it's just, it, it it kind of works through a filtering system where you know each item is kind of put into a different category. Um, but it just it's just messy and kind of clunky and not easy to kind of quickly go into. Um, which again is it, okay because it's not a very fast paced game as I, as I said. So you don't need to whip out something quickly to use it. Um, but yeah, I I've, I kind of purposely try and avoid it now. So I'm just very careful what I pick up um and kind of what i use um but it uses kind of like this radial system where you, i think you've three or four different um kind of radial uh, wheels um that are kind of assigned you know all your your special abilities um your, you know if you're going to rest if you need to heal the team etc you know your companions um and it works well within combat again because you know you're not there's no time limit you can take as long as you like um to kind of you know make your next move so it does work really well um i i do feel if i had it on pc I might be enjoying it a tiny bit more um but you know steph is playing starfield so i have to go fuck myself really um but that kind of brings me to how this episode kind of came about um so with starfield and Baldur's gate really coming out around the same time um i was kind of torn about what i wanted to play next um i'm still playing tears of the kingdom which i, I haven't finished yet sorry about that liam and kev 
we'll get, we'll get to this the time quickly <clears throat> or soon. Um, but we, you know, I mean, Steph made a deal. You know, Steph was finishing up Mass Effect for what the four hundredth time or whatever, um, and she really wanted to try Starfield. Um, so fine, you'll take the PC. We'll buy it there. I bought a new graphics card, more RAM, all this kind of fun stuff to get it kind of running well. And I'll do Bars Gate Three um, on the on the PS Five. Um, what happened in the early days, though, is as I was kind of finishing off Zelda, I'd be kind of sitting on the couch in the office and, and kind of watching her play it, which I kind of said to myself I wouldn't do because I didn't want to spoil anything. Um, but because there was so much, so much on YouTube, on the internet about Starfield, it seemed to have gotten so much hate from so many people. Um, and then it had these really kind of staunch defenders that also seemed to be acting very unrealistic. Um, I really wanted to kind of just get a bit of a glimpse of it, you know, for myself. Um, and it, it kind of led me to kind of think, you know what, this is such a Bethesda thing. Bethesda really are starting to make video games that feel like Marmite. Um, like if you look at kind of the podcast, there's four of us on the podcast. We've all played, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of games. Like really, we've played so many games. Um, but I'm probably the only one on the podcast who likes Bethesda or say has played Skyrim or, you know, Oblivion. I think Kevin might play Oblivion and Morrowind, to be fair. Um, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not loved. Um, I do feel that maybe the guys actually kind of dislike it and dislike them as a studio, which I totally get. I have a lot of friends like that who feel the same way. Um, and so I want to kind of talk about that, in, you know, on, on today's episode and kind of figure out why Bethesda has kind of started to kind of create this, create this kind of Marmite type of, um, of kind of video game, uh, you know, um style because a bethesda game is very you you know you can tell one right away it's very particular to bethesda um and then what i also kind of you know had been reading a lot that starfield only gets good after 12 hours um you know you really need to kind of you know put the time in uh hunker down get through it um which i hate to hear um it's something i really don't like to hear um and i saw it with steph um the those first few hours she just really it wasn't sucking her in and um, she felt it was fine you know, it, was a, it was a fine video game um, but coming off the back of you know a, a mass effect playthrough one of the greatest you know space opera video games ever made i think it was it, it was starting to kind of buckle under kind of that that comparison um and as i watched from the couch i just kind of you know i was like god this this looks like fallout 4 you know it looks like a game that was made a decade ago or nearly a decade ago um it, it doesn't look or feel modern um you know and I, I look and i haven't actually played it i should put a big asterisk there on it i haven't actually played it so i want to kind of get this podcast out before i've sat down and played it myself to, so i can hopefully do a bit of a i suppose a, a revisit on it later um but yeah it just didn't feel like it had that kind of um that, that kind of you know wow factor that you know say skyrim would have had for me when it came out um and fallout 4 as well to be fair the first time i played that i, I really was you know taken away with it as well um i think if you look into that kind of those debates online you know a lot of what is centered around starfield and bethesda is that it does feel like an older video game right um it's not really open world a lot of the traveling you do in space seems to be you know dissected and cut with these loading screens that are pretty constant uh when it comes to dialogue and interacting with characters um, if you played Elder Scrolls games, or sorry, played um, uh, you know uh, Bethesda games before, you'll know they have this weird kind of zoom in on the NPC, uh, and you just kind of have the face in front of you as you talk to them. There's no real kind of cinematic uh, camera or kind of angles or anything like that. That can work well if the you know the faces look good and you know if the if the voice acting is really really solid. 
from what I can tell, uh, the faces don't look great. Um, they, they just don't, they don't really, you know, emote very much. The voice acting from what, you know, Steph has said and a lot of people online have said is a bit, a bit iffy. Um, and so it just feels like, you know, a lot of kind of Bethesda's flaws that they've had for a long, long time are still there. And I think so for a lot of people, that's kind of hard to take. I totally understand that. Um, but I do think what's kind of kind of gotten lost in that, though, is what makes Bethesda games great as well. Um, you know, there is a reason that people keep buying Skyrim. Um, there is a reason that mods are still modding relentlessly for, for, uh, for these video games. Um, you know, there's a reason that, you know, uh, you know, Sky Oblivion, for example, that's been worked on for, for years now, uh, you know, remaking Oblivion in the Skyrim engine, I think it won't be finished like 2025. So there has to be a reason why people are really drawn to these games. And I wanted to kind of, kind of get through that, uh, through that today. So um, let's kind of jump in. Uh, first thing I'd kind of love to kind of chat about maybe is something I've tried to talk about on the podcast before, and that's my love for, uh, for a very particular uh, type of video game. Skyrim as much as I do you've probably heard that opening a bazillion times it's been memed to death uh I don't need to go in and explain it um but it's it the first time I played that it, it blew me away um it really was 2011 playing on, on my ps3 in you know my parents house on a very small tiny little tv say a 20 inch tv or whatever um and that just really kind of oh I was like this is something really different I've you know I felt kind of pulled in and sucked into the world already. Um, and that whole opening sequence of Skyrim where, you know, you create your character, there's a dragon attack on Helgen, and you have to kind of escape the, the town. You, you're already making decisions early on with the game about, you know, if we're going to be siding with, you know, the you know the Imperial folks or kind of more with the rebellion. Um, it was just the freedom it gave you right off the bat. Um and back in 2011, it looked great, I think. Uh, you know, I, I did kind of go back and look at a bit of vanilla Skyrim, as they call it, recently. It's looking rough. Um, but back then, it really did wow me. It really did blow me away. Um, everything from that kind of incredibly, you know, operatic score to kind of the, the, the fascinating host of characters you meet very, very early in the game. And then what, at the time, was a brilliant character creator. Um Again, the minute I say character creator, do you remember where my brain goes? It goes to Baldur's Gate uh, 3, because that that is, uh, for a sideway for a second, is one of the greatest character creators I've ever seen when it comes to depth. Um, you know, I'll, I'll park that for now, I'll park that for now. Um, but what Skyrim does brilliantly, and I think the majority of Bethesda games does brilliantly, is that kind of initial opening to the world, right? That kind of introduction to... Um, to where you're going to be playing, you know, how the world itself is its own character. Um, if you go to, say, back to Fallout 3, for example. Um, so Fallout 3, you know, the, the first kind of fully 3D version of Fallout, um, Bethesda picking up that, that IP and kind of running with it. Um, now, it, it, this really has dated today. I think it came out in 2006 or, or so. Um, 
when you first leave the vault, you know, that door kind of rolls back and you get that first kind of look of, you know, the nuclear wasteland that now exists, um, you know, of our planet. Um, it's incredible. It's like, it's one of the most memorable things I can imagine, or I can remember from my own, you know, video game um, past as a kid. Um, it really, really is incredible. And Skyrim feels the same in that way. Um, you kind of get this amazing opening of the world, this action-packed, you know, dragon attack, these the these kind of, you know, uh, incredibly, well, they're really janky, you know, these incredibly, uh, you know, amazing fights with these soldiers and this dragon, you know, shooting arrows up at it as it swoops into the village and, you know, kind of turns it to dust. Um, and you're just running around as this prisoner uh, with, you know, these, with your hands bound, you know, not really able to do anything just to, just to try and survive. Um, and I think, you know, that kind of intro to, to kind of, uh, to Skyrim, you know, I can play it again and again, and I probably never really get bored of it. Um, but I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of someone maybe who doesn't kind of, who doesn't love Bethesda, or maybe is going in with maybe a bit of um, cynicism already with them. Um, it is janky. There's parts that are really, really janky. And it's like, it, it's a bit of kind of an on rails kind of experience where, you know, there's lots of places you can't go. Um, it's a very isolated opening. Um, you know, you don't really get, a, you know, classic with, with Bethesda games. You don't really get the op full open world for a little bit. You're kind of confined to a much smaller space. Fall 4 is kind of a great example of that. It keeps you kind of confined to, you know, basically a housing estate in America for, for the first hour or so. Um, but again, it's what happens kind of after that, you know, you, 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 you end up, but for me, I, I always go Imperial. I don't know. I think, I think the rebels are a bit racist. Um, you know, message me on that if you disagree, but I think they're a little bit racist. Um, but let's say, you know, after you go, you know, you escape from Helgen, um, you end up going to the dungeons and, and kind of escaping through the dungeons and the caves and you eventually come out to Skyrim. And it's the same as Fallout 3, the experience where you emerge from this cave um, to this incredibly sprawling landscape, um, you know, of trees and rivers. And, and it, it just, it just at the time, it felt so incredibly um, mesmerizing. It really did. It felt like nothing else at the time had kind of done that, particularly, you know, a game that was just so open. Um, and it's from that moment then, especially, um, it's kind of the gameplay model after that. That's what really kind of um, dug its claws into me. Um, and really made me fall in love with a video game, um, you know, probably more so. Than, and it's probably I've probably been kind of chasing that feeling again, um, and I haven't really had it the same way. Bars three may may make it happen, um, you know. Games like The Witcher three scratched an itch, but it wasn't the same kind of experience. And I think what's really important to that experience is the idea of of real freedom, um, not the illusion of it, but you know. You have the ability to create your own character, your absolute own path. You know, you're, you're uh, a silent protagonist throughout, which I think always really helps with these kind of, you know, real role-playing games. Um, and it's a game that, like, if you put it up against, let's say, uh, you know, something like Tears of the Kingdom for its open world, you know, which I know is maybe a bit unfair because it's obviously much more modern, but it, 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 it's, it's going to lose there. It's not as polished. It's not as refined with how you can interact um, with the world in some ways, you know, the climbing mechanics, um, the, the changing kind of seasons, you know, the, 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 the shrines, the hidden caves. And look, Skyrim has all those things. It does have them, not in the same abundance. 
um, but in a kind of a, a less kind of polished and refined way. Um, you'll find a cave that, you know, yeah, you've maybe discovered it as you're you know, flying across the map, you know, heading to Whiterun. Um, but that cave will be similar to the other four or five caves you've come across. You know, it won't be an incredibly different experience. Um, and then the story, if you look at the main story of Skyrim, this huge kind of, you know, you know, these dragons have returned. You're the dragonborn. Um, you're able to speak to them and control them. You can fight them. You can speak their, their tongue. And it's embroiled in this crazy civil war. It's fine. You know, I don't go back to it for that story. I don't go back to it because the story has me riveted, you know, and, and like really, really invested. Um, there's way more games I've played that have way better stories and way more captivating stories. Um, and then with the side quests, it's a similar kind of thing, right? You know, there's some very memorable side quests. Um, and, you know, you, you end up investigating a murder, I think, in Solitude, which is really, really cool. Um, you know, uh, some of the early kind of even fetch quests are kind of great because they take you to really random places uh, within the map. Um, there's a couple of, you know, uh, quests that are almost, you know, I suppose time travel is involved or they're they're in space. Or there's, there's wild stuff there for sure. Um, but again, I wouldn't... You wouldn't say, wow, the, the best side quests I've ever played in a video game are in Skyrim or are in a Bethesda game, right? You know, you can kind of lump Fallout 4 in, in there with that as well. And so, you know, I can already hear Liam saying, who, who I think once said to me once, you know, I'm always, I always lead with the negative sometimes when talking about my favorite games or favorite things. Um, but the reason I'm bringing it up is that, you know, Skyrim in particular isn't a leader in any of these categories at all. Um, and that's not why... You know, and that, that's the reason people play it isn't because of any of those categories. It's because it offers something that I really haven't experienced in any other video game. And that is actual real freedom. Like the freedom to create a character from head to toe, you know, whether they're a, a thief, whether they're a mage, um, you know, they're dual wielding or whatever. Um, and then kind of approach the game in a way that I want to entirely. Um, and what I mean by that is, I think I've used this example before, but. There's a blacksmith in, uh, I think it's Whiterun. Uh, and on my very first playthrough, um, I had kind of uh, gone down there to buy something off of him. Um, I accidentally sold him something. I think I sold him like a, a sword I had on me and I was furious. Um, tried to buy it back off of him, didn't have enough coin, was really annoyed. And I was like, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him. Um, which is really dark. And what age was I? I was like, what, early 20s, you know, not great. Um, but I basically later, at a later point, snuck in when he'd gone to bed, um, saw he was asleep, and I was like, oh, hang on, actually, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just pickpocket him. Maybe I can pickpocket the sword back um, and kind of do that. So I did, snuck up behind him um, as he's asleep, got the sword. I was like, fantastic. But then I saw he had a bunch of gold as well. I was like, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me also take that. Took that gold. He instantly woke up, started screaming, you know, whipped out this axe. And I was like, well, you have to die then. And I murdered him. I murdered him right where he stood, um, which was terrible. I kind of felt really bad about it. Um, I left the, t left the house. No guards were alerted. You know, I, no, there was no witnesses or anything like that. Um, and I revisited him genuinely several times throughout the game of sheer curiosity, like 20 hours, 50 hours. And at one point, almost 200 hours later. And he was just still dead in his bedroom. Um, on multiple playthroughs afterwards, I, I very purposely leave him alive um, as he offers a really great uh, number of quests. Um, but that playthrough now had, had such a unique feeling to it now. 
um, that no matter how honorable and amazing I made my character, uh, you know how um, you know how much of an amazing Dragonborn it was, and I saved you know you know Tamriel and Skyrim, it meant nothing. I murdered a poor blacksmith in in cold blood. Um, but again, it's that kind of freedom to kind of to do really whatever you want, and the repercussions are there. Um, a lot of games, I think, attempt to give you that. Um, let's say The Witcher 3, for example, um, a game I absolutely adore and love. It's a game that is very regularly kind of, I suppose, compared to, to Skyrim. Um, but you, know, you are Geralt at the end of the day. You know, no matter what you do, there's certain things that make Geralt Geralt, um, and you can't really alter them. Um, now, I'm looking at Boris Gate kind of maybe in only 10 hours in hoping it offers the same level of kind of craft and and uh you know a freedom of choice and really true role playing um that skyrim offers um and you know maybe i'll be coming back here in a few months time and saying hey bars gate really nailed it you know the story was amazing the side quests were amazing um you know the the character you know building was incredible um but as we stand right now i've yet to kind of really recapture that kind of feeling with a video game um, and if I look at Fallout 4, so Fallout 4 came out in what, 2014, a few years after after Skyrim. And I think for Bethesda, you know, they had such a mammoth hit with Skyrim that I think people were incredibly excited, incredibly hyped um, for Fallout 4. And particularly if you played Fallout New Vegas, which I actually only recently played um, you know, a few weeks ago in, in kind of the, the lead up um, to Starfield and Boris Gate coming out. Um, so the the hype and the excitement for Fallout Four was really really immense. It was really really huge. Um, now when it came out, it came out to kind of fairly mostly positive reviews, I would say, and I think it's aged better over time, particularly with mods as usual, kind of really coming to the community and really building it up. Um, I adore it. Like it's again, it's in probably my top ten of video games. I've actually never finished it, funnily enough. Um, but again, it offered that same freedom for me to go through the story uh, from any angle I wanted to. Um, now, it definitely was probably a little lighter on kind of the side of discussion and choices, which is, you know, a lot of people talk about um, compared to Skyrim. Um, but it just, again, offered up an experience where, you know, I'm not playing someone else. I'm really kind of, you know, really transporting the character I want to be into this video game world and experiencing it the way I want to do it. Um, and I look at kind of other video game developers, you know, other huge open world games that have been very successful the last few years you look at something like say red dead redemption 2 an absolute masterpiece of a video game masterpiece of storytelling uh, you know pacing um uh, you know building a world that feels read and lived in i absolutely adore it and it's it's fantastic and even though it is slow in parts and we've talked in the podcast about some of its kind of shortcomings um it still doesn't scratch that skyrim itch or that fallout for it or that bethesda kind of uh, you know feeling of a video game um I think you probably maybe need to be someone who wants to experience a game like that. Um, I remember um, when I was kind of really trying to get Stephanie to to play to play Skyrim. Um, you know, I'd, I would lock her in a room for days with just Skyrim uh, in the room, no chairs, no nothing, and you know she could only come out when she'd complete a certain amount. But that's not true. I shouldn't even joke about that. I think some of her family listened to this podcast. Um, but the thing that she found really hard to get into. Um, I think it's the same with Starfield, is that kind of there's no real direction when you start the game. That there's no one really tells you, hey, this is where you should go and do this. You know, this will start you off. Here's a good path, and then kind of guide you along the video game. It doesn't really happen in a Bethesda game. 
Um, what Bethesda want you to do is to kind of say, look, here's a point on the map. You can go there first if you want to. You can go, you know, start that first mission. You can, you know, start that first quest. Or you can just, you know, fuck off and just walk anywhere around the map and look for anything you want and explore anything you want. Um, and you're going to find some really cool stuff. Um, you're going to find some great loot. You're going to find some caves, like I've mentioned, some amazing side quests. You might discover another town or village. Um, you, you'll come across incredible characters. Um, and it, it just doesn't really tell you how to play. Um, it just lets you make that decision and you kind of figure it out and you build a video game uh, kind of story that you want to, to build, right? Um, and that's what that's what's just so captivating about it. And that's why kind of sometimes it's hard to put into words exactly what, you know, why Bethesda and, you know, the games they make kind of have people become such staunch defenders um, and people become a little bit obsessed. Like it's, you know, there's very few games out there that have such a committed modded community um again going back to something like sky you know sky oblivion um you know this there's a team of like 10 15 people who've been working on that for years and they're working on it again for another few years and they're remastering an entire video game um you know i don't know many other video games that inspire that level of kind of fandom um and commitment you know um from, from the people who love it and so for me when i think of bethesda when i think of a video game it, it is that freedom it is that choice to kind of really properly role play um and it's it's also kind of that that kind of feeling of it's a unique experience for you right you know let's say you know red dead redemption 2 again going back to that um that has some absolutely standout moments in its story um spoiler alert um but let's say for example uh you know when 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 arthur actually dies that to me was one of the most impactful moments of video games i've ever kind of set down and experienced i was like oh my god like I, I they've actually done that and then to move into a second act with kind of john marston it was just it really really was impressive um that's amazing because then you have so many other people who have that shared experience you can talk to them about it you know there's a few different endings there for sure but they can all experience that but everyone has experienced the same kind of thing right you know um you can kind of make them i suppose you know more honorable or less honorable um, but it isn't truly unique and a truly different experience. Um, you know, I remember speaking to friends back in the day about, about Skyrim and um, I remember we were having a few drinks out and one of the guys back in Canada was talking about this crazy quest he had done. Um, uh, you know, th that had like four or five of these you know, different branching quests where he went to the College of Winterhold, became a mage um you know there was an archmage in the college who challenged him and and tried to take his power and all this kind of stuff and i was like what the fuck this isn't this isn't a sky i'm confused with a different video game um i didn't experience any of that in my playthrough um i'm still not sure to this day why did i miss activating a quest did i again accidentally kill someone was it the blacksmith was he secretly a mage um there's just a whole bunch of you know things like that where you're kind of like, oh, i didn't experience that but there's probably 10 15 20 things i did experience that you didn't experience um and so it feels like everyone has a very unique playthrough of the game and that, that's fairly common i think with most of bethesda games um except you know obviously fallout 76 was just shit and it's our biggest one yet it is four times the size of Fallout 4. And this time it features all new rendering, lighting, and landscape technology. It allows us to have 16 times the detail and even view distant weather systems across the map. 
I read on the internet that our games have had a few bugs. All of this just works. It's not, I'm not kidding. But yeah, but then I suppose on the flip side, what that kind of does in a big way is, you know, it does kind of leave Skyrim and Bethesda in general open for kind of more um, more criticism for the things they don't do well. Um, because it's not enough to say, hey, look, you know, we've built this entire world. You know, our whole gameplay mechanic and loop is that you get to go out and build your own, your own you know, story and everything like that. And then everything else is kind of a bit shit. Um, it's not exactly the case. I wouldn't go that harsh. But it does seem in every new game they release, it's not getting dramatically better, I suppose is the best way to put it. Um, then obviously, you know, Bethesda has this, you know, incredible um, reputation for being very buggy. Um, and that's fair. I think that has been well earned um, with nearly all the other Scrolls games, all the Fallout games. Um, they've all had elements of, you know, you can't start a quest. Um, some quests failed. Uh, you know, I've had many corrupted save files. Um, with Skyrim and Fallout over the years Um, and it kind of leads me into why Bethesda are I suppose criticized as much as they are Um, and I think it's it is that lack of progress Um, you know video games are probably more affordable now than they ever have been Uh, we talk about that in the podcast a lot you know I remember playing or paying I think literally 50 pounds that's how old I am for a Top Gun game for the PC that was like five hours long um that was kind of crap uh i can't remember what it's called now but it was it was a, it was a top gun game um that's i've seen that's i've seen about the money um today you know games are 70 80 you know quid or whatever euros or wherever you're living um but it's you know hundreds of hours of entertainment suddenly is kind of now the norm um and you know while we are probably living in a world right now where you know video game releases are are patchy at best you know cyberpunk um uh you know (laughs) starfield um a whole bunch of games have kind of come out kind of feeling half finished right And, and kind of not entirely um not entirely completed um i think the problem with bethesda is that it's not that the games come out kind of with that half boiled or kind of you know not really finished it's the actual the formula the gameplay formula for a lot of what they do hasn't changed um and hasn't kind of moved along with the times um starfield is looking like a great example of that um it's obviously a game that was in development for a very long long time had i'm sure lots of incredibly intelligent incredibly amazing people working on it um but you can see it has a lot of the same pitfalls that people would have brought up with fallout 4 fallout 76 um you know skyrim oblivion um you know i've kind of already mentioned it but you know poor facial animations um bland quests um lots of loading um and save you know uh, save screens um graphically it's an older engine again and uh, performance wise it's very buggy i've seen insanely funny youtube videos and memes um of countless starfield bugs um, i haven't seen stephanie come across any just yet um but it's just this kind of feeling that they haven't kind of moved along with with the kind of i suppose video game world in general um we're kind of you know we kind of expect a bit more now we expect a bit more not bang for our buck exactly but a bit more progress and involvement and more of a fully kind of end-to-end you know piece of entertainment um is what i would kind of say and i think Bethesda take a lot of flack because they do seem to kind of kind of ignore what the fan base will say quite a bit. Um, I think Starfield, you know, 
when you look at E3 and you look at the several times as you mentioned that you know other conferences over the last few years they did pitch it as this kind of open space exploration game you can fly to planets you know i think they said a thousand planets in total um you know with different life inhabitable um it made you instantly think of no man's sky or maybe star citizen even um they really pitched it as that kind of game which is fine you know do that if it's that's what the game is going to be then incredible and that's why everyone was so hyped and so excited for it i remember every time i would talk about starfield our lovely friend Liam would always kindly say, "I hope it's good, Marcy. I hope you enjoy it." Now I know he, he it wouldn't be his cup of his cup of tea, um, R.I.P. Um, but he very much was kind of like, "I know you love it. I hope you enjoy it." Um, and all Bethesda fans were couldn't wait for it. We knew Fallout seventy six had been a bit of a disaster. We'd been sold a bit of a lie there as well. Um, but surely they wouldn't do that with Starfield as well, right? And unfortunately, from what it looks like. They kind of did. Um, it doesn't seem to be this kind of, you know, uh, really open galaxy uh, kind of, you know, adventure or, you know, exploration. It's a much more kind of, you know, sandbox within a sandbox within a sandbox type of video game where you're kind of hopping from one, um, you know, created map to another created map, you know, with loading screens. Everything is a loading screen kind of from what I've seen. And I think Bethesda get a really bad rap and it's, you know i actually got into a big kind of twitter uh debate and, and pointless war over this about about kind of falling a little bit of todd howard's feet um if we can take a step back for a second and go back to fallout 76 which was this you know the first attempt at kind of a multiplayer version of a bethesda game of fallout um and what i remember you know the famous quote is that i think from that was you know was it two thousand times the detail or something like that um he talked about you know the map and kind of the 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 level of detail in the world and you you play it and it's just it's one of the buggiest most uh, you know poorly brought together video games i've played in my entire life it's one of the only games i actually genuinely returned um i think within about 48 hours um I, i think i got my my money back on steam um because it was just so far short of what todd howard had sold um you know he'd gone on stage and said this is kind of you know a new a new world a new path for bethesda this is you know we're going to move into multiplayer video games we're 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 refining and you know building a new type of genre for video games he said some wild stuff um and none of that was true it was just it, it all was kind of you know bullshit and lies um and it feels like the same kind of thing has maybe happened uh, with starfield um where this kind of you know similar to cyberpunk again where you you look at those those initial videos they made about cyberpunk really telling you this was the game to end all games you can do anything if you can think of it you can do it right um you know todd howard has kind of had a habit of doing that with bethesda for a very long time um and what that does is it opens up for bethesda and all their video games for instant criticism um you know i've seen a lot of people really shit on starfield because it isn't that type of video game that he sold and then people kind of saying well if you actually kind of take it for what it is um you know it's not that open kind of crazy you know space exploration game like no man's sky is it's more of a um you know a a fallout or a skyrim just set in a a kind of a sci-fi space theme um then you can have a lot of fun with it and you can really enjoy it for what it is um but is that good enough you know, does that feel fair or genuine that you're being, you know, sold one product, getting another, 
um, and then you know expect to kind of say, well, look, you know, let's make the best of what we have here. So Bethesda, you know, definitely open themselves up for this kind of criticism all the time. Um, and I think Todd, you know, you'd wonder, right? Because when I talk about the Twitter war, I got into a lot of the defenders were like, you know, hey, you know, since Microsoft came in and bought Bethesda, Todd just gets ruled out because he's a well-known face now and that he doesn't have as much involvement um, as he used to. He isn't, you know, he, he's selling a game that maybe he doesn't know very, very well. I find that hard to believe. You know, I've, I've worked in tech for a while. I see how products are made. He's going to have some semblance of exactly what he's selling. Um, and if he is walking out into a stage and he's talking about video games that he doesn't know particularly well, well, then that's a different, a different problem altogether, right? Um, and so I think when you look at Bethesda, you know, the reason it is that kind of Marmite love or hate it um, is, 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 is mostly fair. You know, I totally understand why people love it. You know, I love it myself. I adore it. Um, I'm really worried about how much I'm going to enjoy Starfield. I've been waiting for that game for years. Um, and I think I'm probably not playing it because I'm wondering, will the mods fix it by the time I finish Baldur's Gate 3? I really hope they do. Um, and so, I, but again, I understand why people love it, why they're drawn to that gameplay formula. There's nothing else out there genuinely making a video game like that. There's lots of things that are close, but they're not the same. Um, and so then when I see people really criticize it and kind of say, well, look, the story is you know poor, the dialogue isn't great, or the voice acting isn't the best, um, I get that as well. So I kind of I do understand both sides of the of the coin and why people can kind of attack it and, and kind of have a go at it. Um, it'll be interesting to see you know how the modders do fix Starfield. Um, I've seen a couple of mods already that have maybe opened up the game, um, you know, to be able to say fly and land on Pluto if that's something you really want to do. Um, but I think the problem here is that. Um, I haven't, you know, there's been such a big discourse online about the game. Um, I don't think people are going to be as invested into 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 Starfield as they were, say, with Skyrim for, you know, 10 years. Um, I've, I've read quite a few articles with Todd Howard saying, you know, they built the game to last 10, 15, 20 years. Um, but I think, you know, you're, if you look at them, people who have fallen off already, if you look at stats on Steam, um, it, it, it doesn't really bode well for that kind of that kind of longevity, um, I don't think. Um, but then, of course, there is also a third camp of people um, who I think um, I do kind of I think maybe they look down upon Bethesda games in a way. Um, you know, I think the the bigger a studio gets um, and the more successful a studio gets, and the more successful a game franchise gets, the more likely people are to jump on it and kind of shit on it and be negative about it. Um, I would say, you know, you know, there's lots of video games out there that are you know from big studios that you know miss the mark or aren't great or aren't fantastic um you know say like, say the most recent final fantasy for example i know some folk people really haven't enjoyed it as much i know the i think the guys haven't finished it yet it's, it's kind of petered out a bit with them but you know don't be putting words in their mouth but uh, you know people aren't going crazy about that people aren't going oh my god it's a disaster um this is the worst thing ever you know i hate it you know this kind of fanboy kind of behavior comes out um but it does seem like Bethesda kind of seems to attract that kind of um, very intense positivity and very intense negativity. Um, and I think it is, a, it has a lot to do with Skyrim and the success of Skyrim and the fact that people were just fucking sick of it. Um, you know, being re-released again and again, um, you know, and not really jumping forward and mass release and bounds at each kind of remaster. Um, so I think people maybe are a bit sick of that. 
Um, and I think people do look at the gameplay formula and think it's archaic, um, which again is fair. And like I've kind of probably seen into this podcast, I've hummed and hawed about, about it myself, whether I think it's archaic now. I, I think at the bones of it, I love it. That kind of idea of freedom, exploration, um, you know, your own story. Um, but I'm also like, well, what what's kind of version two of that? Like, wh- where does that go now? Um, and I haven't seen that, you know, you know, with the two or three games that have come out since Skyrim. So I, I get that. But I do think they just kind of, they seem to really, really take that criticism and people really seem to jump on them online. And then what's obviously made things way fucking worse um, is the fact that it's just Xbox and PC this time around, right? Um, you've got those crazy PlayStation fanboys. Um, it's just weird, man. Like, I don't know why people... <laughs> fucking big companies like who gives a shit um but they really do seem to hate like the you know the proper kind of twitter fanboys i should say they really seem to hate uh bethesda now more than more than sony or more than you know or say more than microsoft um or xbox itself um they've really honed in on that um and really kind of you know the fact that bars gate you know three hasn't landed on xbox yet either um, I think is only kind of adding salt and or sorry, say fire to, to, to that flame, um, to that fire. So, you know, it's best just so it's so pointless and so childish. Um, but I think, you look, you know, to kind of, you know, maybe stop rambling a little bit. Bethesda, what they do kind of next is going to really fascinate me. Um, we saw obviously a snippet of the other scrolls a few years ago um, at E3. Um, it was literally just an opening, you know, view of the vista. That was it. That was like the the land. And uh, we've heard nothing else since. We've seen nothing since. What I would love is if they really looked at kind of the reception of Starfield. They really honed in on the negative things that people have talked about. And there's some incredible video essays out there about Starfield right now. And they took that all in and said, okay, let's. You know, we're, we're obviously a huge part of the way of building this next Elder Scrolls game. You know, they, I think that they must be way more than 56% into kind of development at this stage, you'd, you'd hope. Um, what can we add? What can we change? Is there things we've included that maybe we should take out? Is there stuff that should absolutely be included as, you know, quality of life? Because Baldur's Gate has changed the way we look at RPGs now and the way we look at, um, and you know, AAA video games in general. But they won't, though. <laughs> that's what's really fucking infuriating. And again, that's why I totally understand when people are like, well, Bethesda are a bit shite, aren't they? Um, it's unlikely that they will. They'll make the game that they set out to make, um, and they probably won't adapt or you know take on much you know fan you know feedback or, or kind of input and just really make the game that they feel like they want to make. Um, which you know, on one side, you can say, well, that's kind of you know honourable, and you know they're sticking to their their you know their kind of their 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 way of making games, which has obviously served them really really well. But you also kind of think, well, what about the fans, man? Like, what about the people who are putting all the hours into these games? Like, you know, you've you've got kind of this this really easy resource to kind of lean into and to kind of you know hear this feedback because it's always the same feedback that comes back again, right? It's about those. About the bugs, about the 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 archaic feeling of the game. It's about the kind of the the older graphics engine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but just none of it seems to stick, or none of it seems to be kind of to be taken on. Um, and I think again, I mean, look, I knew Bars Gate was and Larry were going to come up a lot in this podcast, but it's also kind of how how you how you do and kind of integrate or kind of to say interact with those fans. Um, like Bars Gate Three, for example. That had a, a, a beta that was what like two years long or a year and a half i think i, I played it you know, like halfway through COVID on the google stadia which literally doesn't exist anymore um and 
the the beta is a completely different game to what's out there today um they use that beta for the exact correct purpose which was to have lots of people play it lots of diehard fans of cpr you know crpgs and, and larian in general and Baldur's gate um and take that feedback and really use it to build a better game and now they've got a game that's one of the highest rated metacritic sales are absolutely insane um it's still yet to come out in a few platforms it's going to do incredibly well there um you know all the dlc that'll come out you know bars get four will surely come out at some point that'll be absolutely hyped to the hills um so you just look at two kind of companies one a small little company larian um who are just really kind of you know they've been making games for a very long time of course but they're just really kind of stepping into that triple a kind of video game territory now um and just really that proper due diligence and care um and that 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 not kind of focus on making money being the number one thing you want to do right um like i think one of their first tweets from from larian on the day bars gate came out on ps5 um someone just asked them in one of the comments about you know microtransactions and what can they expect and very very quickly shot down there will be no microtransactions of any kind within Baldur's Gate um which you love to see right it's and I'm sure again video games is absolutely around money and profit um but it not being kind of the 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 north star that that company are using to kind of guide them in kind of how they're making their game it's very hard to to kind of to, to look at Bethesda and think the same you know if you go back to you know Oblivion I think it was where they had you know some of the first kind of bits of DLC that you could buy um you know uh i think like horse armor is a famous one it was like like 10 quid or something it was absolutely insane um bethesda have always wanted to you know money has been such a guiding uh you know light for them um skyrim coming out what the switch um the remastered version after 10 years which just look, which was not really in any way improved upon um the remaster that came out for ps4 um which i really it <laughs> it was fine it was a bit better you know it wasn't 60 frames for example it, it didn't really have it didn't feel like it got a love or a lot of care for a game that had made so much money you know i mean a real true remaster of that or even a remake of that after 10 years um is probably what fans deserved and you know fixing all the issues that they they had you know that would have sold incredibly well done incredibly well but they don't want to put the time in because they probably no, they don't have to firstly people will buy them buy it regardless um but it's just a lack of kind of respect for fans um i remember playing the 10th anniversary ed- edition and there's um a quest fairly early on in the game uh with the thieves guild it's about, it's about like 20 30 hours into the game um and uh for me um it had uh it had been triggered the first time i played skyrim second time i played it through it was fine the third time i played through it didn't trigger again um and i remember take going to reddit and like seeing is this just me like is it the way i'm playing it is it a certain build i'm using is it a certain approach and it was um the setup i had just would was like causing this bug to happen where the the, the quest wouldn't you know kickstart wouldn't happen there's hundreds of people on reddit talking about this and i was like oh my god how do they not you know how is this like you know still an issue and then i was like i checked the date of the reddit post and it was from the original game and i was like oh my god bit more looking a bit more research yeah that issue still existed in the fucking remaster came out 10 years later in the anniversary edition they just don't care you know and, it, and that, that that's why it's so hard to defend bethesda and kind of go on a podcast and you know and talk about them for an hour and not kind of naturally fall into that kind of negativity and that anger um and so i suppose to kind of to kind of sum up what i kind of say really is 
what I still love about Bethesda <clears throat> is maybe the Bethesda of 20, 30 years ago, right? The 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 kind of heart and soul of a, a company who made Oblivion and Skyrim, um, who kind of, you know, that formula was all about letting kind of video gamers really create their own unique story, you know, in these great kind of fantasy settings um, and kind of, I suppose, carve their own path and, tell, and kind of their own memories really within those gaming worlds. That's what I love about Bethesda, but maybe that's not Bethesda anymore. You know, um, maybe that's just kind of the kind of the, the lightning that struck maybe once or twice back then. Um, and that's not really Bethesda. It might have been those developers at the time. It might have been a younger Todd Howard before Microsoft kind of, you know, came throwing bags of cash at him. Um, uh, you know, maybe the Bethesda of today is this kind of much bigger juggernaut of a company who are just going to keep churning out the same type of video game because they know it will sell um, and aren't going to kind of really go back to those days of really... Um, really making and creating something that you know people people truly fall in love with um or maybe i'm just I've, we've just gotten older like that could be a, a real thing of a do genuinely uh you know the majority of people who fell in love with skyrim um would have been in their early 20s late teens and they're now my age um so with starfield um and so maybe you can kind of capture that feeling in a bottle again uh maybe it, it was it was too um too too difficult of a task um to kind of pull off but yeah, look, I want to kind of sit down here um, and just chat for what was supposed to be half an hour. I think I've come up in an hour now of just kind of getting my thoughts out there. Um, no real prep or structure, just really kind of air my feelings and kind of worries and grievances about Bethesda today. Um, you know, Starfield, look, I'm delighted it exists. You know, to get another uh, Bethesda game for me is always a fantastic thing and we should never complain about that. Um, video gaming is an is such an incredible space right now where we're you know 2023 has been one of the greatest years in gaming i can really remember like i've had say some of my favorite games ever this year so we're very very lucky in that regard um but i'm you know probably resigned to the fact that in a few weeks or maybe months whenever it's going to be i'll be on the podcast with the guys and they'll ask what are you playing and i'll i'll say starfield and i will probably won't be super super you know excited or happy about it um and that's a hard pill to swallow um i am hoping the modders come in and do something and you know maybe avoid that happening um but i don't have the the highest of hopes um unfortunately um but yeah look thanks for listening um to to a jaded old man talk about you know a game he loved um that came out you know 12 years ago and uh, a company he used to love that are kind of shit in the bed a bit um as always thank you so much for for following us for listening to us um for that one guy in in italy who left us a review uh, thank you so much that was incredibly kind of you um and uh, to anyone else listening right now please like share and talk to your friends about the podcast um we'd really appreciate it but yeah thanks so much for listening bye